next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a big show. Is everybody ready? Monday, Monday. Just another manic Monday. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott coming at you uh, from our Vivint Arena Carrier Zone Studios. Austin Horton out I'm once here. again today with his uh, infection. And uh, filling in for him across the glass for me is Eric Jensen, safely social distancing from Casa de Monson, the one, the only Gordon Monson. Gordon, hello. Now, why are you going to say that about Austin? Well, that's what's going on, right? He, he uh, got a little uh, infection because one of his lifestyle choices, and he's, he's, oh, stop he's it getting now. that. He's getting that sniff- locked down. You know, now you've taken it just too far. I don't mean it. No, that's not where Austin I is. Don't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> we we make the jokes. No, that's, that's, the not, thing. <laughs> that's not. That's where... the funniest thing you've ever said. I don't mean it. <laughs> Hey, buddy, how are you? What's going on? How are you? How are you? Oh, man, man, I am good. Everything is coming up, Jake, today. Did you have a good weekend and uh, beyond uh, the beautiful day today? Weekend was good. Good. Uh, Enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, Played a little golf. Got an extra nine holes of golf in that you didn't expect in in November. So that was pretty freaking sweet. Uh And uh, my team won. In the survivor pool picks, so I was pretty stoked about that. When the Eagles, uh, it wasn't a pretty game, mind you, uh, came through on Sunday Night Football. How, uh, how how did your team do there, Gordon? Well, my team won. Uh, you know, my team won. However, you bumped me off the picks. So. Oh, that's where you're gonna go. I didn't bump <laughs> anything. I said, go ahead. I said, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, you know, all of a sudden, this isn't as fun anymore. It was really fun for almost the whole time. And suddenly, yesterday, it got less fun. You know, I've been telling you this for a month now, Gordon. It was a terrible idea. It was a terrible idea. That was and yours. I, I know. I know. I know. I can own it. I can admit when I'm wrong. And I was wrong about this. It was bad. Bad. It's bad. It's, it's bad for caused, everybody involved. It's caused hurt feelings. And, and by the way. <laughs> caused infections. Way to go us on picking the most random, you know, year possible to do this, too, in the NFL. Yeah. Where, where who could predict who's going to win? <laughs> Even your magic wizard down there in Vegas would never have saw, seen the uh, – Packers, uh, Viking, the Vikings beating the Packers happened. I know I mean, it hadn't on. happened. Like uh, they've won four straight or something. The Vikings have been terrible this year too. Uh, yeah, that was just weird. Yeah, so that's like that's that. not good. And then, when I looked at that score, and it was twenty-eight to fourteen. I'm like, uh oh. Actually, I said uh oh before that, but uh, yeah, there was. I, I thought I thought okay, the better team will come through in the end. And then they end up with a player with COVID afterward now, so now they're locked down. So it just gets worse and worse. So, uh, and we won't necessarily dwell on the NFL. We're going to get to college football because we have a lot to uh, to talk about. But ye- yesterday in the in the NFL was actually pretty fascinating uh, in, in games that I, I thought I would never care about. Did you see the, the Donks come back on the Chargers? Yes. 
Yeah. Jeez. It, it, yeah. What's that it was... about that franchise, the Chargers, that makes them automatically blow fourth quarter leads? <laughs> it's like what they do. And they've done it for years where it's like, oh, man, Phil Rivers finally has this one in the back. Not so fast. Drew Locke, <laughs> baby, comes to the rescue. Did you see his little uh, dance thing he did? Yes, I did. I, thought yeah. that was I mean, I, I, I really hate to see the Broncos win. I, I never liked that. But that was a pretty amazing finish. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you there. And, uh, but, you know, uh, Steelers-Ravens Steelers, uh, Steelers Ravens was pretty good. Yes, uh, the, the Dolphins somehow beat the Rams. Are you going to have to eat your words about the, the fish this year? Because you always rip them like they have no chance of doing anything. Oh, I mean, they're they're you know they're a terrible franchise. It's been <laughs> uh, you know historically terrible for quite some time now. Uh, but here's the thing, Gordon, with with the Dolphins and why they are going to stink this year is because they're throwing Tua into the deep end, and they're giving him eight games to prove himself, or they're going to take somebody else because they have <laughs> no. It's, I, I'm serious. They have the Texans' first round pick. It's going to be like a top five pick. Yeah. So yeah. they're there. I mean, why not ride Fitz magic out a little more? Right. I mean, he was, he was playing pretty well. Uh, you know, the dolphins, I, I like their head coach. Uh, they seem to be trending in the right direction, but they do this wild thing and put Tua in uh, yeah. and just throw, make him the starter and throw him into the deep end. And that may actually, uh, I think it was Adam Schefter who reported that yesterday. That made a ton of sense to me because the Dolphins, I mean, even with Fitz Magic, they're not winning the Super Bowl, right? But you got to figure out uh, whether this what guy's going to be the guy. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Tua wasn't good. Uh, no, he wasn't. He, but he threw for under 100 yards, right? 93. Did have a touchdown. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's hard for a terrific. rookie to step in. That's why what Herbert's doing this year is just kind of weird. But it's tough for a rook to come in and, and really be effective at the NFL level, I think. Uh, I agree. But but as with Justin Herbert, he's showing it. You know, he, he's, he's showing why you would invest in him in the future. I, a guy I was wrong about last year, Kyler Murray, he, he showed enough in his rookie year that you're not, you know, you're not drafting over that dude. So Sam Darnold on the other side, he's not showing enough that the Jets would. But is that his fault? I mean, it's the great mystery, right? So right. they're they're throwing two into the deep end to see how it goes because they might, you know, move off him if it doesn't yeah. go well, which which stinks. But apparently that bit of information is more valuable than a few wins here or there. Yeah, I suppose so in certain cases anyway. Because if they decide this year too, then Tua's still got uh, you know some value in the trade market too. Because you could go, hey, he's coming off a major hip injury, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. might we remind everybody was brutal and not that long ago. So you could still sell it and get some value in I'm return. Not, look, I'm not going to judge Tua off of uh, these early games. He needs more time to be able to settle in and, and figure everything out. I, I agree with you. I think you got to give this kid a little bit of time. But it's interesting what the way though you frame that picture is if he's going to look good, he needs to look good so that the Dolphins can either uh, uh, use him as uh, some sort of uh, some sort of trade bait or, you know, if, if they do go for, you know, Trevor Lawrence or whoever. Well, the downside, though, is right, is you get somebody like Josh Allen who you looked at him through, you know, his rookie year and you kind of went, I don't know. You know, mm-hmm. 
And this year, certainly, he's looked really good at times. And um, well, I remember, Jake, I remember watching John Elway in his first few games. He looked horrible. I think he turned out okay. Yeah, so it, it's – I thought it was an interesting storyline because uh, – and I can't remember which one of our uh, – I think our, our guests we were talking to, but uh, we asked him about two, and it just seemed like strange timing to me for all the reasons that we're talking about. You know, mm-hmm. I, you and I both, I think, like the concept of draft a young guy and bring him up behind a veteran. I think everybody loves that, right? And sometimes right. it's not quite – Ask Patrick Mahomes about that. Right, but sometimes it's just not quite that simple because we're dealing with humans, Human, right. human beings who are uh, flawed by nature. Um, and, and so, you, but then there's these other factors. It's not just like the typical Brett Favre doesn't want to turn the reins over to Aaron Rodgers. We look at something like this where the Dolphins all of a sudden have put themselves on the clock with a good trade that landed them a first-round pick where they're like, oh, man, well, we got to figure this out because if Tua isn't the guy, we got to go find the guy. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see how it turns out. Uh, I, you know, okay. So let's paint the scenario the other direction. Let's say Tua looks great, and Lawrence is available. Then what do you do then? You you trade out because you're the Dolphins and you need more than just a quarterback. <laughs> so you go ahead and keep your guy because well, I, I mean it. I guess that would depend on how great you think Trevor Lawrence is going to be. Or how valuable you think he's going to be. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I guess if you, if you think trade it, the, whether you draft him and trade him or whether you uh, trade the pick, I, I guess it's sixes either way. I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, if you think Trevor Lawrence is a guaranteed pro bowler and a once-a-generation player, eh, you know, you got to take him. The Colts took Peyton Manning, you know? Yeah. The Colts yeah. again took Andrew Luck and 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 moved off of Peyton Manning to do so because Andrew Luck was mm-hmm. that that type of talent. So if you think that's Trevor Lawrence, then you know Tua be darned, and and you move and go and get him if you can, I guess. <laughs> but I mean that would certainly make the decision a lot more difficult. And like I mentioned, the Dolphins, you know, like a lot of NFL teams out there, they need a lot. So answer me this question: Who's the best team in the world? Is it the Steelers? Uh, let's see. So, well, not the Bengals. Uh, <laughs> Browns pretty much eliminated the themselves the this uh, this weekend. Uh, here's a hot take for you, uh, Gordon. It might be the Seahawks because hmm. Russell Wilson is he's magic, dude. He's he is, is really good. Is is DK? Just phenomenal. When you watch him play, I mean, has he always looked this way and I just haven't been paying attention? Well, first where of all, he I just don't looks... want to talk about this because I played against him in fantasy football this weekend and it was uh-huh. pretty it was pretty devastating. But uh, what's the what's the deal with him? It's like he's when he turns on the Jets, no one can stay with him. And it, I mean I know he's always been fast, but now he looks superhuman. You know what? I he um and I don't know a ton about him personally or his work ethic, or, or the, uh, that sort of thing. But I was talking to a friend of mine who's, uh, who's a big NFL fan, and we were having this very conversation about him. And uh, I, I thought my buddy made a really interesting point. He said, this is the type of guy that is like the, the he's the, um, what am I looking for here, the combine warrior, right? I mean, he's mm-hmm. 6'4", 229. He obviously runs like the wind. And we've seen right. a lot of, we've seen a lot of, you know, physical, 
freaks of nature out there come in, you know, get a lot of the glitz and the glam, m- more often than not get drafted by the Raiders, and then the, the you know, what's the, well, I don't want to use that saying, I guess, but uh, looks are deceiving, right, when it comes to players. Mm-hmm. This guy, you look at him stand next to his teammates. And some of these guys are like tight ends and linemen, and you just look at him and you go, Wow! When he stands next to Lockett, I mean Lockett looks like he's a foot shorter. But I know? would and, I would guess he's a really good worker because he's also added the ability to play the game. You know, combine well, the 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 physical gifts he obviously has with the ability to bond with Russell Wilson and and work hard. I'm sure to establish that and take his game to the next level. Did you see that relatively short pass that he took around the corner? And uh, for a touchdown, I, I mean, he made NFL defenders, defensive backs, look like they were running in sand. I, I, I mean, I couldn't believe he just turned the corner and boom, down the sideline for a score. And nobody could even touch him. Yeah, pretty. I, I'm thinking pretty wild. as I saw I saw that and I'm just going, man, that ain't even fair. Yep. What do they got? What's he what's he drinking? Rocket fuel? Uh, let's see. He, you know, last year he played. Uh, he played in seven games last year. I don't know if he dealt with some injuries. 36 receptions, 680 yards. He had seven touchdowns. He's already got seven touchdowns this year. So Yeah, he's playing great. Uh, and he looks yeah, he's almost awesome. untouchable. So, yeah. so there's my hot take for you. Maybe Seattle because Russell Wilson is really, really good. Uh, DK Metcalf is really, really good. And the defense isn't what it was, but it still has one particular player, Gordon, who we all know and love around here. And that is Bobby Wagner, yeah. who um, yeah, he's one of his <laughs> one of his two sacks uh, last night, because I only saw one of them as I was I was in and out. I just I, I it hurt me watching it. I was like, <laughs> oh, man, I just got a shock to the chest right there watching that sack. It's amazing how good he is. Yeah. So, I, I, and when we, and when we remember, we used to have him on, and how he, he was he was fun to talk with. We share know? a birthday. I mean, he came on on my birthday, and we wished each other a happy birthday one year. <laughs> oh, he's that just nice that type one. of dude. He's awesome. He's he's yeah. really easy to root for. He really is, and he is really good. You know, and so and is Russell Fred w- Warner. Uh, Fred Warner in San Francisco uh, for the Niners, yeah. same way, and he's yeah. he's a monster yeah. too. Good for him. Good for both those guys. They're, they're both fifty four. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Russell Wilson might be your MVP this year, guys. Yeah, he's awesome. He's really good. Uh, amazing uh, that uh, NC State let him go to Wisconsin. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wasn't he playing baseball? Uh, no, he played football at NC State. And then he was I a graduate. He in some baseball somewhere along the way. I th- No, he did. He, uh-huh. he played college baseball, mm-hmm. too. In fact, he dabbled in pro baseball. I think he got drafted by somebody. I'd have to I'd have to think about who it was, but uh, anyway, anywho, Gordon, there's your NFL convo for the moment. Uh, should we get into uh, Should we get into some college football because we have a huge game week and we can review a little bit uh, when I'll, uh, on over the weekend sure. as well. All right, let's, let's get do to it. it. Go ahead, Eric. Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 975-1280 the zone and the zone sports network excited for this week you know and then a short week for us but uh, looking forward to the matchup and and getting up to boise and and playing a very uh, quality team that's ranked 
Um, have a lot of respect for Coach Harson and that program and the coaches and the players and uh, have a great fan base. And so really looking forward to the game. Uh, we consider them a rival for us and, and uh, a game that's been consistent for us since I've been here as head coach. So uh, looking forward to the matchup and, and, and excited for the game on Friday. Okay, uh, game week finally here. And uh, that's a, a relief in a lot of ways for our guys. Been working a lot of months uh, without any opponent and uh, hitting each other and tired of that. It's been the longest stretch of my career and I'm sure everybody's of, of practice without playing. And so it's exciting that the week is here. Uh, we definitely need this week of practice and uh, we're gonna maximize the time we have. Uh, we'll be on the field today in full pads. It'll be most likely our last pad of practice before the game. Uh, tomorrow's off uh, as per the uh, Pac-12 mandate. And we'll be back at it Wednesday, and that will be the normal run-up to the uh, to the game on Saturday. So, guys are looking forward to it. They're eager to get going, um, and uh, it's going to be a different game day atmosphere, obviously, with with the uh, circumstances that are involved and no fans. And so it's all it's all continuing to be uh, uncharted territory and, and new experience for our guys. But uh, that's you know the situation that we're in, and so we just move forward and. And uh, hopefully we'll play well on Saturday. So questions. All right, Gordon, uh, let's talk some college football. It's a huge, huge game week uh, uh, in the state. And so we won't dwell a lot on review, but I do want to get your thoughts on what we saw over the weekend. And then we can move on to uh, to what we expect this week and looking forward to these. Well, I mean, Utah's back. BYU's got their biggest game of the year. Uh, so uh, we'll get to that coming up. But. Quickly, your thoughts on uh, the Cougars and their victory over the Hilltoppers. Pretty amazing when the relationship between the mascots is the most uh, interesting thing about the game. <laughs> well, let me start by bringing up Utah State because Utah Can we, State we, I, played... I have some thoughts on that. Can we let, okay. let's get to I, I was just first gonna, and then we'll get to I, Utah I, State. I know. I'm getting to it. I was just saying that uh, it looks like San Diego State is going to be a uh, rather challenging uh, opponent for BYU. So uh, that you can throw that one into the mix with Boise State as well. Uh, the game was, was pretty much what we thought it would be. I mean, BYU scores on its first five possessions. It's 35-3 to three at the half. In the second half, the Cougars really didn't play that well. The offense was, uh, was uh, a little bit disjointed in places. Zach Wilson, people have said Zach Wilson wasn't as sharp. His uh, completion percentage was not as high as it has been. It was the lowest of the season, all that sort of thing. I do believe that BYU, based on what I saw against Western Kentucky, got bailed out a couple of times by stupid plays by the Hilltoppers. And I'm not sure that Boise is going to make those kinds of mistakes. And so uh, BYU has to sort of get things uh, running smoothly into Friday night's game. Uh, the Hilltoppers just aren't as good as BYU. Everybody knew it. They knew it. The Cougars knew it. So then you just got to go out and play, and that's what they did. And when you're up 35-3 to at half, I'm not sure how fired up you're going to be or how dialed in you're going to be in the second half. And I'm not making excuses for anybody. You would think that they would have been seeking uh, as flawless a play as possible in preparation for what's coming on Friday. So, anyway, I mean, it was it was a game that we could all see. 
It was better than not playing, but I'm not sure what BYU gets out of a game like that at this point. But that's what their schedule is made of this year, and we've talked about that ad nauseum. So I, I agree uh, with your assessment, certainly, of, of the game, and they did struggle at times and et cetera. But um, remember back Texas-San Antonio, Gordon, where they, they won only 27-20, to 20, and that was the week before Houston, and there was the mm-hmm. narrative out there that maybe you can – in fact, I think we even talked to Coach Mack about this – you can use some of those imperfections as, hey, you haven't arrived. I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll use an analogy here, you know, when, uh, when I, you and I argue uh, from time to time. And, and I'm right all of the time. And sometimes <laughs> I have to, you know, uh, watch myself when you come close and it keeps me sharp. It keeps me from getting bored. You get, you get what I'm getting at? It well, good. I'm glad from, I can help in whatever bored. way I can. <laughs> no, just, uh, just call me the hilltopper from now uh, on. But, but I, I think you, the point is that I think those um, – it was not the perfect game for B, uh, from BYU or uh, Zach Wilson. And, and there were some things that, uh, that you can certainly look at under a magnifying glass and harp on. But I bet the coaches don't hate that necessarily. You know, well, they can work them hard. That's right, except for it is a really, really short week for them. They have the, uh, as Kyle was talking about there, they have the NCAA mandate that uh, on election day, uh, nothing is supposed to be done. I wonder if that's the way it'll really work. Well, you know how actually, can rules I throw are a, meant to be broken. Right? Can I throw a theory at you? Yeah. And I have no information whatsoever to back this up. Okay. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe they split their attention preparing for Western Kentucky. I would be tempted if I were the coaching staff. Like, you think okay, they were looking at Boise? Well, we've got the Hilltoppers here and, uh, yeah. But let's let's watch a little Boise film, boys. Let's you know instead of uh, instead of watching the the Marvel movies tonight, let's let's throw in a little uh, Boise State film. I don't know. I have no idea. I know I would be tempted to do that if I were a coach. But then again, it goes against all those you know wonderful cliches that you love. You know, one game at a time. Well, if they didn't do that, then obviously BYU doesn't practice on Sundays, so they miss Sunday and Tuesday yep. on a Friday week. I mean, woo. Well, and That's Wednesday, it. and so it so it would have made some sense for them to do a little cheating in preparation last week as well. <laughs> well, whether it was endorsed by the head coach or not, I bet the coaching staff, I bet their def- the attention was a bit divided, one hundred percent. Whether whether the, again the head coach knew or endorsed it or not, I bet they spent some extra hours going over the Broncos. Well, I saw some of the Boise State game. I don't. Do you want to talk about Boise State, or do you want to wait on that? Uh, I, I, I just that's what this this week was all about. Whether they did it officially or whether they were, everybody was thinking about Boise State. I mean, because that's the real, that's that's the the pinnacle of the season right there. Or it could be the nightmare of the season. And Boise looked good against Air Force. They did. Yeah, they did. I saw some of that game, and uh, you know, uh, they're they're good. I mean, they're good. BYU is going to have to play darn near perfect, I think, to win that. Maybe not perfect. I mean, that's kind of silly. But uh, they have to play really well in order to go up there on the road. And I know there won't be a ton of fans in the stands or anything like that, but you're still playing. You might as well be playing on the moon, playing in Boise with everything being different there. The stadium is the grass, the turf, the everything is just different up there. And uh, but but you heard Klein Sataki talking about it. BYU does consider Boise State a rival, and so I imagine and they are. The, yeah, and mm-hmm. they should be. I think it's a terrific yep, uh, annual too. matchup between those two programs. And so, you know, I mean, how motivated? 
I would imagine that, that BYU would be really, really motivated. And if you can take that motivation and, and you know, fine-tune your focus to bring all your energy and all your attention to this uh, game on Friday, then then that's what, that's what uh, the last five days should have been about, is preparing them, as you said, for what is the most important week of the season. All right, let's get to Utah State real quick. And then we'll uh, we'll jump uh, to Utah in their game week uh, coming up on the other side. Um, the Aggies lost <laughs> to San Diego State over the weekend, Gordon, as you know, 38-7. to Gary Anderson had this quote after the game, quote, it was 100% pathetic and embarrassing for everybody in Aggie Nation, all of us involved, unquote. Uh, Gordon, go. <laughs> well, you know, I kind of like that word pathetic. I've used it before, not often. And uh, I, I, it might be a tad bit overblown here, but but uh, the Aggies were not good, and San Diego State is good. And Mac warned us about this because he was paying attention to the Aztecs, and uh, he uh, the Aggies just do not compare. That offense looks like a mess right now, and the defense not that good either. I don't know where your bright spots are if you're an Aggie. I mean, it's just bad football all the way around. I, I'm worried about uh, our friends up there in Logan. Uh, well, you I'm, said that before the season started. Yeah, and I, I wonder if Gary's feeling it a little bit. I don't know. I, but I wonder if he's feeling a little pressure because that uh, yeah, you love the word pathetic, but that's really strong. That's yeah. really strong coming from, coming a, head from coach. a head coach Yeah, yep. in the second game of the year. I mean, yeah. uh, uh, and he, he complained once again about them not being physical enough, uh, and he called out you know staff, uh, including – you know, pretty much everybody. I don't mean he really singled anybody out, but he talked about people like not doing it right in the weight room and that sort of thing. So, I mean, it was it was really aggressive language, I thought. Not to mention that you played the two best teams in the league. Right. So, I don't know. I wonder if there's something else going on, you know? Well, uh, to say – t- here, here's why I think the word pathetic is not as bad as maybe some others he could have chosen. Pathetic implies that the effort and the wherewithal put into the game was sadly lacking. That that's better than saying, you know, my team just isn't very good. You know, and that's what I think. I think they're not good enough. When I watch them play against these these two good teams in their conference, the Aggies just aren't good enough. You can make excuses if you want. They're missing this player and missing that player. Oh, this is early in the season. All that stuff. I just don't think the Aggies are that good. Sorry, Aggie Nation, but uh, you're seeing it too. I where where are the real stars on that team? Where are they? Uh, by the way, pathetic, according to uh, Dictionary.com, causing or invoking pity, sympathetic sadness, sorrow, etc. Pitiful, pitiable. Uh, the informal, miserably or contentedly inadequate. <laughs> Come on, that's really strong. And it is stuff about the physicality and stuff like that. That that's strong. You can you can process that through Susan the Truth Machine and and translate what he's saying there. And I think you can. Uh, one of my I mean, favorite bits. It was a great ago. bit. So anyway, there you go. The Aggies did not look good. San Diego State did, but you know, I'm worried about what's going on up there, Logan. I hope they, they just might not be good enough. And that when when you have a team that's getting its head kicked in uh, by quality opponents, and you're looking around and you're going, okay, we need we need better execution, we need 
better uh, better focus. We need more film study. We need uh, and what do you say? Weightlifting the the, the strength. Yeah. With, I mean, what do you? I mean, when you say all those things, well, maybe you need to say this: uh, the recruiting wasn't good enough, and the cupboard is bare, and we just don't have the players we need to compete at that level. All right, here's here's uh, here's uh, Coach A. Uh, talking about the physicality. we got to figure that out. We have to figure it out with the kids on the team. We have to figure it out with the coaches. We have to figure it out in recruiting. We have to figure it out in the weight room. We have to figure it, uh, figure out how we eat, all the things that we can come with it. Uh, he, he adds, uh, talking about the tackles, missing a bunch of tackles, he said, we are getting our uh, backsides. Uh, knocked off football on both sides of the ball and missing tackles. And tackles has a lot to do with strength, has a lot to do with our ability to be able to get them in the right spot as coaches. And I could go on and on, but that's the facts. So do you think missed tackles is – because that's a good point he makes there. If you're if you're in bad position, then it's hard to make the tackle. I mean, it's one thing just to blow a tackle and a guy, you know, you don't wrap up. But – the Aggies seem like they're slow to the ball. And, okay, so it's not a matter of effort. It's a matter of ability. But that's the worst thing a coach can say about his team. Oh, we, we're just, we're not good enough. We don't have the talent. Because then, how do you get better from that? Yeah, it's the, it's, it's tough. They look I, bad. Yeah, they look bad. They need to turn it around. Yeah. They absolutely need to, to turn it around. But, but I, now, I, now we know of, that. Uh, sorry, Gordon. Go ahead. Now we know that San Diego State is is uh, will be a tough uh, uh, game for BYU. So we've got two of them now, and everyone thought that they would be tougher. But man, they look good, and that team beat BYU last year. So I don't know. We'll see how this goes. I want to remind you about our friends at Zebra Res. Give them a call today. Eight zero one two eight eight nine three seven six. Eight zero one two eight eight nine three seven six. Tell them you heard it on the zone, and they're going to hook you up. $33 per room clean. Clean three and have a food donation ready to roll. And the fourth room is free as they once again team up with the Utah Food Bank to do some good. That's Zebra Res, 801-288-9376. More next, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. It's big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Uh, Gordon, let's talk a little bit about uh, the University of Utah. We have a game week. We had we played the wit cut in the last segment. Uh, you can tell he's excited. <laughs> he mentioned he's like this is the longest uh, in my life we've ever gone without football. It's like yeah, this has never happened before, Coach. Yeah, this definitely is the longest. But uh, well, he also he also was addressing the fact that his players have been beaten up on each other in practice. Right, right. And there and I heard some of the players talking about that, and they're pretty. They're pretty fatigued from that whole thing. I think they're ready to go hit Arizona. Yeah, I, I would guess so. And I would guess that they're going to come out fairly sharp. I mean, wouldn't you think, Gordon, being chomping at the bit and, you know, compared – I'm not sure exactly uh, how it's gone for Arizona during all of this, but, I mean, Utah's kept the trains on the track pretty well, I would say. Well, they have had opportunities to work, uh, work out and to train – and, you know, it's funny. You look at that uh, two-deep chart uh, that uh, was let out today and uh, didn't learn a whole lot at quarterback or running back. But <laughs> They still uh, that... had three quarterbacks. They still had it listed as or for all three. Yeah. 
Yeah. And hey, maybe and, uh, maybe our boy Lisk is is really uh, balling out. But I, I kind of chuckled when I saw that. Well, I, I, uh, I. What catches my eye is that defense, and they're plugging a lot of holes over there. And that defensive secondary is just loaded up with young players and young, inexperienced players. But I, I, everything I've been told is there's a lot of talent there. It's just a matter of getting up to speed. Experience. And that's why this time that the Utes have had to, to coach those guys up, at some point you've, the coaches have gone through and tutored as much as they can, and they, uh, now it's time to go out on the field and see what you can do in live action. And that's, that's, that's what we have yet to find out, and we're going to find out pretty quick, I think. Well, there's some there's some real players too on that defense, which is a good thing. Yeah, yeah I mean, you're totally right about uh, replacing a lot. There, there's no doubt. But I mean, you know, you've got your left end and right end on the D line. Uh, you know, nobody's worried about Mika Tafua performing. Right. You know, he's <laughs> he's done it before. So is Max's uh-huh. Tuapai. I mean, mm-hmm. they they've both, yep. uh, and they're kind of primed to step into highlighted roles. I, I expect them to have have really good years. I've Devin seen, Lloyd. I've Devin seen Devin Lloyd. Lloyd. I've seen him mm-hmm. uh, on uh, possible uh, Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year lists. I mean, talk about a guy who really uh, blew up last year. And then, you know, you look in the secondary and somebody like Vontae Davis, who has a bunch of experience, and you hope he can kind of lock things down in the, at that safety position and lead the defense. So, I mean, you know, they've still got some some players and some experience. And, and you know, we've talked about this a million times. Never doubt that Coach Witt's going to put out a, a good defensive product on the field. Well, you think that, the, yeah, you think that they would be coached up properly. But you look at Clark Phillips, the third. And by the way, that's an impressive kid. Have you heard? Have you seen him interviewed? Yeah. Uh huh. Well, he's I followed impressive. Him, followed him since his recruitment because I right. mean, he was a big time recruit. He's articulate. He's uh, smart. He's uh, he's very talented. Obviously, the highest rated recruit Utah has ever landed, and uh, here he is listed first on the depth chart. Uh, but and there's other guys, guys like Nate Ritchie. You know, I mean, he's he's a true freshman. Right, so he, he at safety, so I mean, the, yeah, they they have that inexperience uh, all around, but but I think Utah, and I wrote this over the weekend. I think Utah is to the point now where they have enough talent, and they do a good enough job recruiting and then coaching those recruits up that they may not have bad years anymore. Now I, I may be putting the whammy on them, yeah, and don't I don't say mean anymore. To. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it has happened in the past where they had to get up to speed and uh, maybe now they they they're they're more like SC where they they have talent and they can utilize that talent even if, in times when they need to gain some experience and SC is playing Arizona State in week 1 it's a good thing for the Utes that they don't have to face a challenge like that right out the gate uh, instead they can they can get these guys to get a little a few rings around the trunk before they go up against those two teams, and so that's that works to their advantage as well. I uh, is it weird that I'm rooting for uh, a three-way tie atop the division? Just to create havoc? Yeah, just to see the chaos that ensued. I, I remember <laughs> when we read through the tie-breaking rules. It, it, when he got right down to it, I can't even remember what it was. It might have been a, a coin flip or a, a spitting <laughs> contest or some sort of madness. Uh, in fact, I think it came down to their ranking in what, one of the polls. Or maybe it was the college football playoff. I can't remember. But anyway, that would, that would be madness. And that's actually a real realistic possibility in my mind, that Arizona State, USC, and Utah all – trade a loss yeah that wouldn't mm-hmm. be a surprise right 
Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to expect because we just—it's one of those deals where, okay, you know, you know where the quality is on the whole, but how will it actually be executed on the field? And that's that's what we're so eager to find out. I expect the Utes to take care of their business against these teams. They should take their business against, uh, take care of their business, and uh, Arizona is one of those teams. So I expect this to be sort of polishing the car up a little bit, getting ready for the next week. However, uh, the players can't think that way. You and I can. Well, and we'll see what happens at the quarterback. That, of course, is the, the big wild card. You know, do One they thing, get productive play from that position? Okay, so let me ask you this. When I, when I heard Witt talking about that position and what was priority number one, if I'm remembering correctly, I think he said accuracy. Mm-hmm accuracy so which one of those guys is the most accurate i don't know because we have i thought it. it was surprising last year we sort of counted drew lisk out last year but list started i mean he played in front of uh shelly yeah right and uh maybe maybe uh i mean what i've seen out of shelly up at utah state is not impressive however you got to have open receivers and you got to have some other things in play to, to, to for a quarterback to be successful but i i don't know we've all been saying that it's Bentley or Rising, and who knows? <laughs> Witt might say, uh, nope, it's Drew Lisk in there. Uh, I'd be surprised by that, and you would be drop-dead shocked. I would be. We'll see how it goes. I mean, but they need productive play, certainly, from that position. I think they'll be fine at running back. I think they've got a few guys, um, and, and certainly some guys that can have the possibility of breaking out. Uh, receivers, I, I'm always up in the air on you receivers. Seems like they we, look pretty good, man. Think about what they have: the Brian Thompson and Britton Covey, and and Keithy's just fantastic. I'm all in on Keithy. I think that guy's a stud. Uh, I'm with you there. What do you you don't think Britton Covey will be that effective? You think he's still lingering from that uh, injury or what? I think Britton Covey has to change the way he plays. I was glad to see him in at returner because I think that's where he can be him. But I mean. Him being a focal point of the offense, Gordon, I don't think he'll make it through the year. I really don't. I think they have to pick and choose where they use him. You think he should slide? <laughs> no, 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 no. I just don't think – I mean, it, it's hard. It's I compare it to, like, the Jimmer going to the NBA, you know? It's like he was going to have to adjust the way he played. He was not going to be able to be Jimmer time at the next level. It just wasn't a thing. And I just mean that he was going to have to alter how he did it. Britton Covey is going to have to alter how he plays or limit the amount he plays. Well, he was really good in his early years. Right. But the way that he's, uh, Gordon, uh, his fearless nature that we all love about him and that makes him really, really good got him really, really hurt. So what you, that's what you're saying. You're saying he needs to change, not because he can't do what he's attempting to do, rather because of the hits he'll take. Oh, exactly. 100%. Okay. I mean, we forget that he's he's really, he's not big. He's he's very small. <laughs> yes, and, but but the way he plays, he plays like he's big, but he's not. And, and he's really, really effective because he's really, really hard to tackle. But when Washington wrote the book on him, he's, his role had to change because he, he just won't make it. You know, when Washington said, okay, we know how to, uh, to deal with Britton Covey, and maybe he makes a play or two on us, but we are going to punish him every time he touches the ball. Hmm. So, anyway, uh, not to get done, bogged though? down on Britton Covey. And then Brian Thompson, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I, I hear a lot about these Utah wide receivers every year, and then it doesn't necessarily 
they're not necessarily eye-popping players. So I, well, I, I listen to people like Hans, who thinks he has all the potential in the world, and uh, and that's a good thing because I, I certainly uh, listen to Hans when it comes to college football. I just I hear that a lot from Utah. Sure is to their advantage to have a guy like Keithy, though. Oh yeah, well, well that I mean, guy. If they if Andy Ludwig chooses to go to him a lot, I, he he his numbers will be fantastic. His problem is that uh, you know the uh, opposition knows that he's an All Pac-12 talent, and uh, something tells me they will be paying close attention to him, which makes things a little more difficult. Certainly does. All right, coming up next. Uh, there's some NBA news out there, Gordon. We'll get to that straight ahead. We've got what's going on t- coming up at the top of 3 o'clock hour. Tanner Mangum at 3.30. Stay tuned. It's the Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. Should we record your incriminating audio today, or should we wait till Austin gets back? Oh, uh, Let's put it off. Should we put it off? But that will give me that will give me more time to really think of something really good. Don't you owe us one too? No, no. I, I think you do. I do not. I, I could swear I thought we missed one on you. I had to do uh, two in a row, and then uh, if Austin were here, he could play them all for you. I'm sure, but okay. uh, I, I certainly do not owe one. Wow, I like it how that's where you go. <laughs> Uh, I thought I thought there was one. I'm almost certain, I, and I still think you owe one. Oh come on, come on! Oh, Don't play that dirty pool. You know no. we have we have a little something on this show we like to call integrity, and <laughs> let's not let's something. not let's not compromise that. Okay. All right, all right. Uh, there's some NBA news, and I got to admit, Gordo, I'm a little uh, a little nervous. Um, this came about a, uh, out about a half an hour ago from Woj. Says ESPN sources, NBA had a call with his general managers today reiterating that there's still no timeline agreed upon with NBA PA to start the 2021 season. Talks continue with union, but there's an increasingly short window to get an agreement in place for a pre-Christmas tip. Uh, Woj goes on. Uh, Sources on the chance of getting an agreement for uh, December 22nd start the season with training camps presumably needing to start within a month. Commissioner Adam Silver told teams today, quote, we're running out of time, unquote. Uh, The NBA is engaged uh, with conversations with the players on the issue of the start date of the season, December or January. It also continues to negotiate with the league on a number of financial amendments to the CBA needing resolution for the start of 2021 season per sources. Well, if we were a fly on the wall listening to these discussions, it's easy to see that essentially the the owners are saying to the players and the player reps and uh, representative that uh, that they okay if you if you want fewer games then it's going to cost you in the pocketbook. That, that's just the way it is. So then they have to decide whether they're willing to make that sacrifice to uh, save themselves some money. And I I even heard the words that none of us want to hear, and that was labor strife over the weekend. I'm I'm worried that's where we're headed, Um, Mm -hmm. particularly because they have to do a lot of negotiating in a short amount of time. And not to honk our horns uh, here, Gordon, but you and I have been talking about this for a while now, when maybe it wasn't a a big-time narrative. That there is a lot that's got to happen. You remember during the bubble when everybody was speculating as to the start time, and I was like, "Okay, let's hold the phone." There's a there's a lot that's got to happen. Well, everyone we talked to, Jake, uh, brought up, "Well, they have a great relationship, you know." 
uh, Michelle Roberts and uh, Adam Silver, and it'll off. Don't worry about it. It'll be okay. Uh, maybe, maybe it needs to be worried about. Yeah, because you know, players' unions are tough because you you're dealing with a lot of voices, you know, and a lot of egos and a lot of money, and there's a lot on the line. And sometimes, like, um, there are so many NFL players. I mean, that union, it's almost impossible to get to stand behind, you know, one issue. Um, and so it's it's a tough gig uh, running an, uh, you know, a, a players union. But I, I'm a little bummed because thus far in the process, they have been really they really worked together. They've prioritized, you know, the right things. Uh, they've pulled off uh, unbelievable. Uh, the bubble was such a, a, a big thing, Gordon. and mm-hmm. so difficult to do in unprecedented times. And they pulled it off. And now I would, I would hate to see a lockout coming at the end of it. But I mean that baseball, baseball is headed for it. That's happening, and I would hate to see basketball uh, have the same thing, especially under these conditions. And these conditions are part of what's bringing it on, as yep. you just described. But I mean, people don't want to hear about labor strife right now. No, they got enough to worry about. They, they have, there's enough hardship right now, without uh, hearing about millionaires fighting with billionaires. It's just. It doesn't feel right at this particular time with all the the struggles and challenges that everyone is facing. Well, yeah, I mean it will it will turn off fan bases. I mean we've seen that over and over. Well, it's again. already it's already uh, taken a hit. Yep. And uh, so that that would that would not be good for anybody, I don't think. But then you know you bring up a great point. It's even within the players' union, you have. You have, uh, you know, constituents essentially that are coming from all different places, and so who's going to get the final say? The LeBrons of the league, or, or some, uh, you know, twelfth man? Right. And the, the the owners honestly have a lot of leverage because they're the ones who've taken a lot of the short term losses. Now, some of the players' salaries have gone into escrow and those sorts of things in preparation to work it out, but <laughs> in the short term, they've got all the leverage. So this is this is going to be – I hope this goes smoothly. I mean, yes. this news from Adrian Wojnarowski is not catastrophic, but the biggest part of it is they, they have, like, 15 minutes to figure this out. I mean, uh, All right. real quick, Gordon, so, we, we interact with people who work the arena, of course, because we broadcast here in the arena, and they've got stuff that they've got to do. It's not like right. they can just uh, have a game tomorrow. I mean, right. uh, anyway, go ahead. So if, if you were a betting man, Jake – We've heard just as far as start dates go. If all the, the I's get dotted and the T's get crossed, when do you think is the most likely time that we're going to see NBA basketball again? I have no idea. I'm cheering for December 22nd, I hope. That's six weeks away, Jake. I know. I know. But if, if they keep kicking the can down the road, at what point do both sides go, okay, well, this isn't worth it, and lockout and no NBA season? Yeah. Uh. Because you've got to wow. you've got to have the revenue to make it worth it, particularly yeah. with un you don't know how many fans you can put in the stands. I mean that complicates things even further. So, uh, you know, that's what the Major League Baseball owners were complaining about. Like, okay, if you hold us to this and we can't have any fans and sell any tickets and we're just going to push through the season, well, we're going to lose a lot of money. So we got uh, okay. <laughs> Let's look at some of the things that they have to get done. Between here and there, you got to have your free agency period in the draft, obviously, and then you have to have training camps. Can all of that get done in just a few weeks? I think so. I think that's the tip of the iceberg. 
I think the harder one is going to be, well, what do we do with the salary cap and how do we make that up and how do we evenly split the losses here? This is what needs to happen. If I'm a player, I want the truth from the owners. And if the owners are trying to make it seem like their hardship is greater than it is, because everybody knows there's hardship, but how great is that hardship? Because the, the players know that they can't kill the goose that lays the golden egg. Well, but they, but they don't want the goose, kind of saying, "Hey, uh, you know, we, uh, it, it's harder for us, and so we've got to take it out on you." They, they, they need to know exactly what the truth is, and uh, I don't know. In this day and age, the truth seems pretty elusive. Well, in this case, actually, Gordon, I think both sides are going to have the truth as far as revenue goes. Okay. Uh, so, uh, as you know, the the process which they're going through right now at rapid speed, they have auditors from both sides. They have auditors from the NBA come in and auditors from the Players Association. So they kind of check each other's work in this case. Well, checks and balances. Which is great. You know, that's how it's supposed to work, right? I mean, honesty, I'm, I, I'm with you. Honesty is uh, is very important. So I, I would guess in this case, they, the players know what the revenue situation is like. It's just how do they how do they work it out? And the one thing we don't know here is what might be hyperbole, Gordon, is I keep seeing these varying numbers coming from the owners or sources or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, all mm-hmm. of a sudden one day it's uh, $500 million could be on the line if they push right. back the start of the season until January. Uh-huh. And just today on ESPN.com I saw an article that bumped that number to a million. Oh, really? So I don't know if that is, is or not a million, I'm sorry, a billion, excuse me. Right, uh, right, that right. would be. Significantly different. One million dollars. Yeah. Uh, but now all of a sudden that that that's a billion. So it, is that a scare tactic? Right. You know, is that a hey, yeah, there's a billion see, yeah, dollars gotta, on the line that yeah. that I'm worried about. You got to have the truth. There's no doubt about that. And even if they do get all of that taken care of, then you still got to figure out what you're going to do with COVID. How are you going to handle that? In addition to all the stuff that normally needs to take place, <laughs> it is. It's about as jammed up as I've ever seen in as short a period as I've ever seen. And, of course, no one's ever seen anything like this, but that's what we're dealing with now. And they have to do years of negotiating in hours. Yeah, yeah things <laughs> compacted down to the nth degree. Usually players and owners have, you know, a couple of years to hammer stuff out. And we've seen that work really well in the NBA lately, actually, where they've just kind of, mm. all right, we've got a couple of years lead up. Let's, let's fix what's broken, but, you know, move it along. And now now it reminds been... me, it reminds me of a speed weave on a motorcycle, which I've never found myself in. But if you ever do, you know, you just you don't want to get out of control. You don't want to get out, of, and yet you're in a hurry, and so you don't want to make mistakes. And maybe, maybe the pressing nature of it will will help in the sense that everybody knows that, like you said, hours need to be turned into minutes. Yep. All right, we'll, uh, we'll talk about the NBA throughout the show. Obviously, we've got a lot of uh, college football for you on tap as well. Coming up next, we have What's Going On. We'll check in with Hans Scotty as well as DJ and PK. Stay tuned. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone.